Welcome to the Life of a Global Desi, the podcast that connects like-minded desis all over the globe by conforming to stereotypes and breaking them. Join us both on a journey as we uncover what it means to be a global desi. Keep listening. On to our episode now. And this is Aarti. Today, we're talking about student life in the US. So, the United States has always been a pretty sought-after country for undergraduate and graduate studies for many reasons. However, in the recent years, stricter immigration laws with the current Trump administration and the Republican Party, a number of international students are reconsidering their decision to study in the US. Yes. So just for context, the F1 visa is the student visa on which students, international students can go to the United States to study. But due to the coronavirus pandemic, uh, right now, all F1 student visas will no longer be valid. If your if your university is going fully online, which means mm-hmm. that students will have to return to their home countries if you're currently in session, or if your university is starting in fall, then you will actually have to do it completely online, sitting in your home countries, which mm-hmm. will completely and absolutely take away from the on-campus experience of actually being in the U.S. and studying there in person. I think that's just sad, like pretty sad. Yeah, it's really unfortunate and I 100% agree because uh, my heart does go out to all the students who are in this ridiculous situation right now and need to make a decision about this because mm-hmm. like Arthi rightly said, student life on the college campus is a critical part of studying in an American university. Yep, um, and it's nice to see like some universities like Harvard and MIT They've actually filed lawsuits against the Immigrations and Customs Enforcement and also the Department of Homeland Securities right now. Currently, that's in session. And there are also talks between Washington, D.C. and New Delhi, which kind of might give some people some kind of relief. Um, But just if this situation affects you in any way, then we would highly encourage you to uh, keep a check on relevant websites because it's a very fluid situation right now and it's quite still in the developing stage. Absolutely. And stepping back a little, Aarti and I never shared with our listeners how we actually landed up in the US from India. Yeah, so uh, we like most Desis who migrate to the US started by choosing to study there. So in this episode... We will talk about why we decided to study in the United States and our individual experiences of life as a student in the U.S. The idea here is not to provide concrete guidance or advice on whether you should study in the U.S. or not, but only to share why we decided to do this and what our experience has been. Now, of course, like this is going to be highly U.S.-centric, if, if you are interested in studying in some other part of the uh, world or like some other regions, there's number of Indian students all over the world. And if mm-hmm. you are one of them listening to this, we'd be so curious to feature you on our show and actually hear about how is the education system um, and the campus experience of studying in countries other than the US. In 2019, government data from India estimated that there are over 400,000 students from India who are studying in the United States, uh, followed closely by China with 370,000 students. 
yeah that's like a crazy staggering number it's almost like half a million so mm-hmm. why did you want to study in the us sis sure so over the past few decades uh the us we all know has become a melting pot of global cultures given the soft power it commands with american pop culture and the investments that the country made in its top universities and education system in general i think really fostered that cutting edge research and a unique entrepreneurial drive which really draws top talent from all over the world and obviously this has been super evident because there's no denying the fact that the us is a real economic superpower to reckon with personally for me having had experience in both the corporate world and the non-profit education world i wanted to study business and its impact on the education landscape especially given the massive success of public private partnerships in this space over the years and i truly believe that social impact cannot thrive in isolation um businesses and non-profits really need to drive together uh, the social impact within the communities that we live in and club that with increasing private equity play in this education technology space uh this became a very interesting industry for me to gain skills in and i particularly wanted to focus on strategy consulting post mba which is exactly why i decided to pursue an mba in the us uh which would allow me to do that uh frankly five years back uh to pursue a truly global career there was no better place to get a business degree than from a top us um a top 10 US business school and the US MBA programs are highly global in nature they draw a diversity of student perspectives from different walks of life and the case study method particularly at Darden Business School drew me to an MBA here so i flew to the southern college town of charlottesville university of virginia in 2013 and of course um Since I graduated 5 years back the name Charlottesville sadly has been synonymous with the racist white supremacist marches which is really unfortunate because the Charlottesville experience that I had was very distinctly life transforming from an academic career and global standpoint so that was why I pursued an MBA in the United States what about you Arthi Okay so for me um I did consider other countries uh, in fact initially I was pretty against the idea of studying in the US at all because for me like just the US is a very passe idea as half of my undergraduate engineering college mates ended up in the US like right after undergrad uh, to do mm-hmm. the, to do their masters in computer science um and i'm more drawn to like unique cultural experiences of other countries which are not as mainstream as the us at least from a travel standpoint that's what i enjoy the most uh, and also like in terms of living um mm-hmm. but after much much like research that i did I-, i realized like for the kind of courses that i wanted to study and the global nature of the work that i imagined myself doing after grad school like us universities provided the highest level of access and were the most widely known and mm. uh, that just goes to say more about the us soft power piece that you were mentioning i guess um and then the us universities also have more global acclaim i'd say i would argue that the top us schools have a higher brand recognition globally as well uh, compared to say even top schools in europe like say in oxford in the uk or in cian in france 
or mm-hmm. so is the perception at least um that's what i felt even when i was doing the research plus i think there are like lesser restrictions and more flexibility when it comes to like switching fields from undergrad as compared to europe because even when i was considering those colleges they always asked for prior academic experience in the same field in which i wanted to do my masters which was hard for me because i was trying to make a transition from engineering to education right um mm. so with that i decided to apply to four decently good schools uh, in the field that i wanted to study uh, which was global education policy which is like i said a stock shift from like uh, having done computer science engineering earlier um i applied to upenn uh, nyu uh, new york university that is george washington mm-hmm. university and harvard um i got accepted in all four of them with scholarships uh, except for nyu which does not give scholarships um mm-hmm. but then then came like the whole tough decision making process so i loved the coursework at upenn and upenn's also an ivy league just like harvard uh, but harvard was giving more scholarship so that was that was tricky to make that decision but pro tip for those of you who are applying to the US uh, one of the lesser known facts about grad school is that you can really negotiate your scholarship when you have multiple admits so eventually like upenn stepped it up but um, in the end i did end up um, going with harvard and that was 2017 yeah assuming that students jump through all the fire hoops of visas and i20s and immigration formalities when you do land up at campus uh what exactly is student life like right uh that's what we want to talk about yes and we will especially talk about our experiences in the colleges that we studied at but the experience largely remains the same across um universities uh, most top universities in the US so true so if we're talking about studying in the US let's actually talk about academics first mm mm-hmm. Unlike in India where a majority of students uh pretty much follow this herd mentality of picking course work like engineering or medicine followed by an MBA the field of study and as a result the academic life um that a student follows is given considerable thought and it's a pretty major part of US student life because students think deeply about why they want to study business or political science or industrial engineering um or english literature right which really allows students to take ownership of their studies and their student life because of this students actually attend lessons which is which was quite a shocker for me <laughs> and a lot of students take studies very seriously uh like i said primarily because they choose what they want to study versus just randomly pick a pick a course that they may not be interested in or because their parents ask them to do it Yeah like it is a bit of a shocker that you actually go to classes because you enjoy studying cuz like I remember from undergrad experience which is it's all about like bunking classes and that was like the most fun thing to do. Uh but yeah I I do think academic coursework in general in the US is super flexible you get to choose from like a plethora of courses all of which like mm-hmm. sound more interesting than the other and it's highly customizable based on your interests at harvard like we i could re- literally choose from all 13 like harvard schools like harvard business school harvard kennedy school or harvard graduate school of arts and sciences or divinity school like you can literally um choose courses from these other schools even if you are core studying or your masters is in education which was the case in my case uh, and you mm-hmm. can also cross register at MIT and Tufts so you can uh, choose across like the 
different campuses in Boston, which gives you like a broader campus cultural experience as well. And um, so it's not like you just can pick any course from any school and you'll get it. Like some courses are really highly rated and they're super competitive and they have a cap as to number of students who can get in. But um, you can also you also have this option of auditing popular courses. So auditing basically means if, if you actually just write a email to the professor and you like make a really strong case as to why you want to still take their course even after it's reached its cap they'll actually let you sit in for no grades like your papers mm. won't be graded but you can sit in the class just for the joy of learning and soaking in like the discussions that are happen happening uh, as long as you don't participate uh, you won't get the credit for it but um, I think it's so worth the experience and uh, imagine actually taking extra courses and not even bunking, yeah. but like not even for grades. Like there's no incentive there except for just the pure joy of learning. <laughs> yeah, that's such a refreshing environment for students. And I I can't remember missing any classes, any classes in, in business school, uh, because especially because like you said, they were so interesting and needed considerable prep, which you were willing to do, willing to put in that hard work, even before you step into class. So for example, uh, if you're learning about financial accounting the next day, the professor is not really wasting time teaching you the basic concepts of assets and liabilities and equity, right? You do that work mm -hmm. on your own for many, many hours before the class with your learning teammates uh, in a collaborative group. And you have to come prepared with what you think is the solution to a business case that is given to you uh, for the next day. And so at uh, Darden Business School and even Harvard Business School, all the classes are 100% case study method based, mm -hmm. where each day you are pretty much taught how to think like a CEO. Uh, the professor starts the class by randomly cold calling a student, which is unnerving, and uh, ask them, so Archana, you're the CEO of this company, you've read the case, what would you do in this situation? That's how the class starts. So you have to argue your case and succinctly articulate your ideas for what you would do in a given business situation. So there's very high focus on insightful class participation rather than just mm -hmm. solving numbers and number crunching. Yes, absolutely. Which you have to do also. Yeah, this class. this was like the most uh, surprising element for me as well. Like the whole class contribution and class participation piece is like so important. And initially I was really struggling with this and nervous about it, nervous to speak up. But actually that's exactly the reason why you are in that classroom. You are there because you're bringing in your perspectives, you're bringing and mm -hmm. you're building on each other's thoughts and ideas. Um, and you're really there to contribute and class contribution is super valuable in these cases. Absolutely. And the value, like you said, is the global diversity of students. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, how would someone with five years of work experience in investment banking in Europe versus someone who's been a platoon leader for the US Army in Iraq or someone with a background in education like me would look at the same business problem um, and have potentially multiple solutions to it and there yep. is no right solution but there are interesting ways to solve a similar business situation absolutely similarly in our classrooms we had people from all different age ranges we had a student mm -hmm. a classmate of mine was like 50 and she had like 
two sons who are like our age uh, the average age of the class but just the kind of experience and um uh, that she brought in into the classroom discussions just like really uh made it so much richer and that was the similar case with all the other students who came in with different backgrounds in arts in music and what not and bringing that lens to education to make education more rich and uh, bring multiple perspectives to that field another thing that was interesting for me was the idea of office hours uh, i feel like with the really strict power dynamics that you have in like indian educational environments like the whole idea of office hours was like so novel to me because it's really with professors right it, yeah with professors so basically it's like you get time like an hour of your professor's time to like either resolve doubts or just like build rapport get to know them get guidance from them get mentorship from them and just just the idea of that was just like so weird for me initially because I always grew up with this idea of very strict hierarchy at school like there was no sense of friendship between a professor and a student whereas here in the US like for social gatherings and all social events you are pretty much like at the same dinner party and like grabbing a drink with your professors in the same place which is so different such a different way of socializing i feel like in an academic setup for me as an experience uh, but also was super important uh, super important and interesting uh, for me at least and the professors are actually out, like there to help you out and i invested hmm. in you and your growth from the get go and also like post post your experience at the academy right um something else that was interesting for me was how that plays out uh in the classroom in terms of teacher evaluations so it's not just the teachers or the professors grading you you also grade the teachers or the course overall and based on course evaluations that's how the next the following year the professors get the students to their classroom so so all the professors also put in equal amount of hard work to make the course the best and i think it's a beautiful synergy in that sense between students and teachers like it's equal absolutely yeah equal power absolutely agree it took me a while to not call them sir and ma'am and just call them <laughs> by their name which was yeah. and these guys were these professors were like 50 60 years old right really yeah. tenured uh, and brilliant professors the other thing was just how collaborative the work was student work is highly collaborative versus the isolated and competitive nature of you know just getting top marks for yourself mm. uh, like in a lot of indian universities because in real in real life like in reality life and work is collaborative right mm-hmm. you need to build consensus between teams you need to be a real team player so that was something that was very refreshing uh, students are also encouraged to be very applicative with the concepts that you're learned and not just you know very theoretical uh, in their approach you can validate them in the real world with project based learning and that was just you know so uh, interesting to see whether something does work in the real world and coursework is really rigorous like i've already mentioned because one needs to really keep up your grades at university although uva despite the fact that there was grade non disclosure like at most top universities uh, students do take grades seriously and try to excel just for the joy of it right yeah. and even exams are based on the honor code system which for me was completely new because we can take exams from anywhere in the world uh, in a given time period 
So I have actually taken my accounting exam from the Heathrow airport while flying back to India. And the university trusts you as a student to be truthful about producing authentic work and not plagiarizing, which I think is really uh, fantastic because it instills the values of ethics and students from a very young age uh, versus this crazy fear of excelling by hook or crook, right? Which leads to a lot of uh, unneeded sort of ways that students adopt in a lot of uh, yep. countries. <laughs> yup, I absolutely agree. That's that's the sense that even I got, like this sense of ownership of your life and just like this freedom. I think that's so missing in like some of the stifling environments that uh, we that at least I've experienced in like the undergrad Same. where you're like imposed with the rules, like what to wear, everything from what to wear to like your attendance percentage and so on and so forth without really teaching people the idea of like consequences of your actions uh, from, uh, and like putting in building uh, trust, right? So that was super refreshing for me. And also this whole idea of grades, right? Uh, I agree, like grades, especially at the ed school where you're just like, oh, education should be all this that makes you be like whole, whole people and like super holistic. Like grades should be like the last things that that matters. But at a academic environment like Harvard, I think people are competitive and you would want to get good grades for yourself. Hmm. Especially we were told grades are only important if you plan on doing a PhD in the future. So uh, from a PhD lens, yes, it was. But apart from that, we, was, we were told like, don't worry about grades, just try and learn as much as possible. And that the only grade that you'll need upon graduation from here is an H. H for Harvard. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> the other thing that was so cool was just the global exchange programs in business school with other global business schools, immersion programs across the world. Um, and you could really pick any business problem that you wanted to solve. Uh, for example, you could solve a business problem from a vineyard in Argentina or take part in design thinking in Barcelona, Spain with the La Sagrada Familia church and you know things like that it's just um it's just very interesting the options that are opened up in terms of how you can study it's not just in a classroom but the world is your oyster really yes absolutely and you have like treks to actually explore in field uh coursework so like how your coursework plays out in the region geographical region globally that you're interested in and also just like do treks with institutions and organizations who work in that field, which is, I think, a great way to see application of stuff that you study. A lot of the main grades that we got were on real life consulting projects that we did. Um, I did like in my time, uh, multiple projects. One of them was like with the, Un with the UNICEF in Albania. One of them was with an international nonprofit in Brazil. So like, and you literally, that's, your, that's what you get graded on. It's the teamwork that you actually work with, which is such a real life experience. And I feel like if there is anything that I really got to take away from um, grad school, it was definitely this idea of how do you work in collaborative environments where everyone uh, has a role to play? How do you work on each other's strengths? And uh, especially when everyone wants to lead at the same time. So how do you how do you learn to um, manage that dynamic? That was my biggest learning. Yeah, which is real life, which is how work yep, in real exactly. life is. So it does set you up for success. What is living on campus as a student like? It's uh, It really depends on what your college campus is like, right? So for example, small towns like Charlottesville have 
much more space. They have very close knit communities. Uh, campus life kind of overtakes everything else. Versus, I've uh, spoken with friends who went to business school in Columbia or New York Stern, and mm-hmm. you're living in a big city like New York, so that becomes a big part of your experience versus the college campus itself, right? Yeah, or like even Chicago Booth and so on, right? It's mm-hmm. there are pros and cons to I think both uh, situations. For Boston, for example, Boston's a student town, um, and uh, there's so many universities. You have BU, Tufts, and Fl- uh, Fletcher, um, and then you have MIT, Harvard, and so on, right? Uh, but Cambridge itself, Cambridge. Yeah. yeah, Cambridge has like Harvard and MIT, and the campus itself and Cambridge itself can be a bubble sometimes. Uh, it, like going out to Boston was like an adventure in itself because the campus can be so self-contained. It has so many things just within it, like just in terms of facilities and resources that you have access to, like the gym, the sports arena, the sports facility, cultural options, and just so many student activities that you can, you literally do not have to step outside of that bubble. Um so uh, that can be both a pro and a con. I personally was uh, living on the dorms and that itself comes with a, a completely different community that you build uh, for yourself. Uh, but we, I also had a lot of classmates who like rented apartments in and around Cambridge, um, which is also a fun way to live. Uh, most apartments in that area are live with students. Uh, I mean, uh, have students living in them. So generally the population tends to, tends to be either really young or it tends to be like really old who are like tenured professors or have been living there forever yeah college campuses can be a bubble like you said the first time I stepped out of uh, Charlottesville was much later in my first year when I went to DC for the first time Uh, and like you said coursework is very rigorous so it's not like you have the time to go chill out in other cities the other thing about living on your own as a student is food how do you cook your own food Um, the fact that you're living so far away from home I personally discovered the love for Indian food, masalas, home food, and fantastic Indian vegetables like bhindi, right? So you're always yeah. scrounging for food because you barely have time to cook. Yeah, not my favorite vegetable, but okay. Yeah, you barely, you barely have time to cook. But I had the great fortune of actually um, having di- a dining hall pass, which is pretty fun because uh, as students, you can get really busy and especially if, if you have like multiple things that you're involved in so the dining hall is a great place to actually meet other people from other courses to socialize share a meal and also have like a bunch of different great cuisines because it's also like super healthy so there's a less less strenuous way of uh, eating healthy and also like eating uh, get making sure that you're fed because there is a place that you can go to three times a day and you'll be fed the second thing is like a dorm room kitchen which is also an option uh you need to make sure that you label everything so that they're not stolen. So there's that whole idea of shared kitchens. But uh, we also have potlucks, which is, I think, super fun. Um, and uh, just a lot of events where we all like cook our own cuisines from our different countries and take it to potlucks. Yeah, and I think generally in uh, at universities, there's just too much pizza lying around from tons of events. So I remember eating tons of pizza for my first year, just yes. scavenging food, anything that's left from any event outside Absolutely. the classroom. Absolutely. We used to have that all the time at our library. We used, we used to literally have like a WhatsApp group going that used to just only give updates <laughs> about leftover where pizza. leftover food is in the entire campus. And 
literally within the next half an hour it would be gone by the time you reach there cuz you know everyone's got the message <laughs> so yeah and trays and trays of desserts so too much sugar and too much cheese <laughs> um the other thing is there's tons of extracurriculars that are happening on campus all the time right so you mm-hmm. as a student like i remember participating in so many different uh, events be it wine tasting or uh, we were doing cookouts with colombian students or um you know participating in lots of interesting things like that because the whole idea is to celebrate diversity of thought cultures meet new people uh celebrate new festivals eat different types of food so that was a very big part of uh, student life yup um but it can also get like a little too crazy if you are one of the people who um uh, is a bit of an overachiever like for me at least i've always been so active in extracurriculars that I realized by my second semester that I had just signed up for way too many extracurriculars. You have options for sports, you have options for different kinds of clubs, mm-hmm. uh cultural celebrations, student affinity groups and student bodies and I think I just like but stretch myself to think signing up for too many that by second year I had to like pace myself. Yeah, I think in first year it's a good idea to sign up for a few uh and anything that seems interesting and then kind of pick and choose what you want to do in the second year, which is what I did too. I was part of uh the ma- the the college magazine. I was the editor for the college magazine, which was uh interesting because I'd always done that and then I did a few other women in business events, um you know, some the Indian student group of course. That's always fun because you get to <laughs> celebrate Diwali and eat a lot of Indian food. Chai and desi community. But um yeah, yeah. but campuses. then yeah, I mean it it can get over Filming, like you said, right? So, so that's crazy. yeah. Especially when you have to manage it with grades, and you're trying to keep up like high grades as well. That's when it gets really challenging. I was a part of like the sports ultimate frisbee team for Harvard, which was great because mm-hmm. I love ultimate frisbee and got to actually play it at like at a university level. But then I was also signed up for like a ton of internships. The queer ed society. I was on the executive council for that, which you know brings in diversity and like uh. Cu- queer education sensitivity um on campus and in schools um and then just just multiple projects like that in the second year i was a part of like the harvard uh harvard india conference which was just a whole event to put together in itself which we were trying to work on from the way first semester so it can be like crazy uh and like how do you do all that and have fun at the same time so there's like no time for fun in the end absolutely but the whole point is that you want to maximize the situation right that's how you feel when you're at university in, in the US as well and to your point about recruiting and jobs that is such a major part of why anyone goes to university right uh so taking part in all the career services uh doing the tons of networking that some intense uh, jobs like investment banking and consulting need uh making sure that you're doing your case prep your you know doing all the interview prep for case case interviews things like that because unlike in india you want to make sure that um business schools here are you know they have a free market sort of system so you can sit for as many companies as you want and really build a career in whatever you want versus uh i think a lot of business schools in india have this cap of oh you if you sat for one company you can't sit for others right mm. so people want to take the most advantage of that and especially in business school a lot of people come there to switch careers and get the exact job that they wanted so that was very intense for me uh so as a result i really couldn't participate in any of the sports or uh you know things like that which is mm-hmm. also very big on the uva campus or you know and in all universities as yes, as one can imagine yeah sports in the us is pretty big 
but uh, for Harvard, at least for the ed school, we did not have this whole idea of like recruitment. We didn't have companies come in and like recruit students. We had them come in and give career talks and talk about we're open. We're open for this, um, you know, position and so on, or like these are positions open or like leaving contacts. But they wouldn't come to campus and recruit. We had uh, tons mm. of career services resources. So our career services always had like job boards and like would circulate. And to date, circulates like job opportunities on the alumni network. Um, but there was no like recruitment that was happening. Uh, we also had like career treks where we could go visit companies and like like organized by Harvard, like get to go talk to people who do like the kind of roles that you're interested in. Um, or would like would see yourself doing one day um, but by the end of the day it all comes down to you and how many places you apply to and how hmm. how much you're leveraging the career services and the resources to train yourself to actually reach out and be proactive in the whole uh, career job search process yeah which can be really tough if, for international students just for sure especially given the whole visa situation yep, right like exactly. we discussed earlier Obviously, if all of this sounds really fun, let's not uh, forget that uh, studying abroad is not cheap. It comes with a pretty heavy price tag. Um, the good thing, though, is top schools will co-sign a loan for you, which basically means that you don't need any other guarantor. The very fact that you've got into that top school, uh, you get a loan. The only thing is you need to pay it back after school. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, students finance it in multiple ways, right? So you can take a loan, you can save up and pay for school. Um, and frankly, in my opinion, yes, it is expensive, but it's an investment you make in yourself. And I think it's worth every penny if it's, uh, you know, from a good school and you, you really get the career uh, trajectory that, you that you're yeah. looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think most uh, master's courses other than like an MBA give out scholarships because MBAs mm. don't really need to give out scholarships because you end up making the big bucks after your... Yeah, there are very few <laughs> scholarships. You're right. You're very right. few. Like, you need to be, like, exceptionally, like, a genius or something like oh, that. Yeah. Um, because you do get, like, super lucrative career options in banking and consulting and tech after an MBA. So it makes mm-hmm. sense, I guess. Um, but yes, uh, money is a challenge as a student because you're constantly doing like conversions in your head, um, all the time, especially as an international student, because you're constantly converting from your home currency to like the USD. Um, but luckily for me, like my second semester, I got a job on campus, which is another option when it comes to money, uh, as a research assistant at the Harvard Decision Science Lab, which was great because I got to really apply a lot of my learning as well. But I also like got mm. to make money, which made me feel less guilty about treating myself to say ice cream from time to time. So <laughs> those are like little pleasures and joys. Um, yeah, and it's also not like, that bad. You're making it sound like you didn't have any food. <laughs> no, no, I did. In fact, we had like free ice cream in the dining hall once a week. So which is like, hey, nothing to complain about. <laughs> but just talking about this idea of like spending it you feel less guilty about spending in dollars when you're earning in dollars versus constantly yeah. doing conversions with your home currency and then um the loan option is there for like um most master's programs as well and it totally depends on where you're t- getting a loan from whether in your home country or the university um i got to take a loan in my time from like the harvard employees credit union which is like a bank affiliated to the university itself which had much lower interest rates than um, the interest rates in India um, 
I did. Or like, in the other banks that business schools provided Harvard, like ro- loans from. That was quite crazy, right? Really? The interest rates can go up to as high as 9% or 10%. And they're usually variable, which is quite yeah, crazy. Yeah, 9% uh, is also like the interest rate in like India, what that looks like. And um, that is also negotiable depending on which bank you're taking the loan from. So especially mm-hmm. if you're a girl... And if you're going to a top university, be sure to get that extra 1% off. Most banks do that for you if you're taking a loan from India. Uh, but luckily for me, after like a year of being in college, I got to have the blessed hand of uh, getting like a family loan. So my family actually wrote off the loan and then I owed the loan to my family, which really helped my case because I did not have the interest, you know, just building off. I think the biggest challenge that most students have uh, in paying back a loan is just paying back the interest more than the uh, principal yeah. uh, sum of the loan itself. So I was really fortunate that, um, you know, I had a family loan uh, that I could take a family loan and uh, at no interest rate. Uh, and I could actually pay back my loan in a year or two after graduating, like literally a year and a half after graduating, which is which is awesome. And like, I really want to celebrate that fact because it's really difficult to do if, if, it, if you're not... Um, yeah, if you have an interest that you need to pay. So. Yeah, and I feel by grateful. a family loan, Aarti means like it's not a fa- there's no official there's thing no bank. It's just <laughs> it's like yeah, there's no bank. It's just your parents and your sister. Exactly, you owe the money to your parents or your sister. And exactly, then, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So yeah, that was our experience studying at Darden UVA and uh, in Aarti's case, GSE Harvard. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, all this seems like far back given the current situation the world is in and the US is in uh, that studying in the US really does seem like a dicey proposition from a ROI perspective a job situation perspective and even the immigration visa standpoint mm-hmm. agreed and uh, personally like the US visa situation is quite a bummer like and like I said in the beginning I was never keen on working or living in the uh, US Um and I was always like super enchanted by all other regions in the world, um, especially Latin America. And that's that's what drew me here. And that's why I'm here now. So um, hope our experience was helpful to those who are curious really about what studying at uh, universities in the US is like. And some of you who've already done this can hopefully relate to uh, the few anecdotes that we had. Yes. And please reach out uh to us with your experiences and we want to share your experience of studying in Europe or Australia or other regions of the world uh, please feel free to reach out to us um, and we'd love yeah. to feature you absolutely and to all the students who are currently in the F1 visa mess right now you know please be in close contact with your international student officers at school because I'm sure schools are really trying hard to retain you and will do their best to provide all the support that you need mm-hmm. uh, so all the best and um, you know, let us know if we can do anything to ease the apprehension. Um, you know, it's I'm we can yeah. understand. And remember, yeah. you're not alone in this. Yeah, stay strong and stay proactive. Uh, stay curious and keep listening. Peace out. Hey, Daisies. If you enjoyed this episode, then please rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever else you're listening to podcasts. And drop us a note on lifeofaglobaldesi at gmail.com or our social media to keep up this awesome dialogue. Oh, and don't forget to give us a five-star rating. You're so cheap. Why are you asking them for (laughs) five-star ratings? Well, I always ask for the rating I want, not the one I have. You know, like dress for the job you want, not the one you have. 
That's like the stupidest thing I've heard all day. Arthi, you're so judgmental. What? You need to stop being Listen, judgmental. I just think you can't be so demanding. That's all. You ask for what you want. Bleh. 